This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Hey, if you're going to clap, clap for Jesus and make it loud. If you've been saved, say yeah. Well, welcome to church today. Glad to see you. If we've not had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Landon. My wife Kelly and I have the great privilege of uh, being able to lead this great church, and it's great to see you here at church today. I've always been a fan of the book of Proverbs. We're going to dig into it a little bit, but I've always been fascinated by it. You know, like in the Bible, there's some books that sometimes we tolerate, like would anybody in this room be like, man, my favorite book is Leviticus? Like, you know, no, nobody says that. You know, it's like, it's like you always have the weird Christians that are like, I love the book of Revelation. Turn or burn, you're all going to hell. And then you have some people that are like, I love Genesis, creation. And it's like, you, and it's like I'm like kind of middle of the room, right in the middle of the Bible. I just want to learn Proverbs. I need some wisdom for my life now. Somebody say amen to that. I think that we're going to dig into some really cool things in this series. It's uh, a, a very important message today, week one of a series called A Little Bit of Wisdom Goes a Long Way. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, son of King David, and Solomon actually wrote three books of the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And I've personally been studying Proverbs now for over a year, and there's so much to share with you. I've always read it, I've always loved it, but I have been digging into it in a pretty significant way. And I want you to read Proverbs with me. There's 31 chapters. So just start out today, read chapter one, and then every day, let's just go chapter by chapter. It'll take you five to seven minutes. And you'll have the whole book of Proverbs under your belt in a month. And by the end of the series, we will have gone through this series together and then all the messages together. And within the next four to five weeks, you'll have a better grasp on wisdom. If you need that and like that and want that, say amen to that. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some wisdom. No, don't do that, don't do that. <clears throat> Here's the, y'all did it anyway. Y'all, y'all are messed up. Here's the verse. Here's the verse that got us hooked on doing an entire series on wisdom. Look on the screen or on the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or if you got a paper slam Bible, get that out, go to Proverbs 4. Wisdom is, say it out loud. Therefore, get wisdom. <laughs> Though it costs you all you have, go get it. It's supreme. And I think that when we read the Bible, if God says something is top-notch, number one on his list, it's probably important, and it should be number one on our list as well. Wisdom is supreme. Wisdom in Hebrew means skilled living. Wisdom is supreme. It's not knowledge. It's not what you understand in your brain. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge with a humble heart and attitude. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is this. Look up on the screen. Knowledge constructed the Titanic Wisdom avoids the iceberg. Somebody say amen. Right? Now, there's two types of people in the world. There's a first type of person who believes there was room on the door for Leo. 
There's the other type of people that are like, he was already dead, just let him go. How many of you are with me that there was room on the door and she let him fall? You're my people. You're my people. How many of you are like, he was already half dead. He was already, he's like, y'all don't want to raise your hands now. You don't want to raise, you know there was room on the door. Man, you know there was. But knowledge constructed it, but wisdom avoids destruction. What about this? Knowledge builds a house, but wisdom builds a home. Very different. Knowledge understands God. Wisdom walks with God. And this is our greatest hope for you as your pastors. And this is our greatest hope that, that you don't just come to church and simply get knowledge that you think is worth saying yes to. That you don't just come to church and go, oh, well, I like that preacher a little bit better than my last preacher. You know what? If that's what you're looking for, this ain't your church because I'll make you mad next week. <laughs> you don't just come to church to simply get something you think is worth your time. But you come to church and you meet a Savior and that you begin to walk with Him personally and walk in wisdom. It is the goal, of, should be the goal of every pastor, of every church, is to get people to walk with Christ and pursue the number one thing on God's list, which was wisdom. Maybe you didn't even know that until today, that it was number one on God's list. A little bit of wisdom goes a long way. Bottom line, wisdom comes from who? God alone. Did you know that on the YouVersion Bible app and on Google, the number one thing searched in the Bible is the word wisdom. Second place isn't even close. The number one thing searched on the YouVersion Bible app is wisdom. People are struggling. Politicians are taking advantage of it. And you and I need to know, in a time of turmoil, in a time where we have leaders who go against God's word and try to make it sound holy, you and I need wisdom. When people are screaming inflation and eggs are $9,000 a dozen, we need wisdom on how to handle our money. When culture is discipling our children through TikTok and they come home, not the same kid that you sent there, we need wisdom on how to parent our children. I remember thinking back through this series, this was last year, and came across this Billy Graham quote, knowledge is horizontal, wisdom is vertical. You can get knowledge from your buddies, like, hey, how do you change a starter in your car? You can get knowledge from them. But wisdom is vertical. It only comes from God. And it only comes from God's word. And there's a growing trend in the capital C church that is dangerous. And it has caused some to simply increase their knowledge even to the point where they're correcting God. I know the Bible says this, but I know this. I know God said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some of you are in the habit of doing but I also know that I connect with God in nature. Horse apples. God's everywhere. He's at H-E-B. He's not at Walmart, but he's at H-E-B. (laughs) 
Proverbs 26, do you see that a man is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than him. And the word fool right there in the New King Jimmy is actually very nice translation. There is more hope for an idiot. There is more hope for someone who's stupid than for someone who knows God's word and rejects it and chooses their own wisdom. Man, Solomon ain't playing. Guys, this is important. To understand the book of Proverbs and see the beautiful truths that can be applied to your life, every week we're gonna unpack a big piece of truth for you and, and that you can remember and live by. We'll get to that at the end. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are a case for wisdom. And then I recommend that every man in the room, every husband, every man, every young man, every teenage man, read chapters five, six, and seven. It will spare you lots of heartache. Chapter 10 is where the Proverbs actually begin, the, the proverb, the line by line, the bumper sticker verses. Start in chapter 10. Each line is a different quote, and there's no subject matter to the chapter. One can be like, about finances, the other one's about death, the other one's about money, the other one's about marriage, and they just go boom, 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 boom. That starts at chapter 10. The first nine chapters, there's four different types of people mentioned though. Let's look, let's just, just be thinking about, God, which one am I? Number one is the simple. Four different types of people mentioned in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Number one is the simple. Somebody who's not wise because they just haven't learned. No one told them. No one mentored them. They literally didn't know any better. Proverbs 7, 7, I saw among the simple, and I noticed among the young men, youth who had no sense. Not these kids on the front row. They got lots of sense. I remember hearing that. Have you no sense? I didn't know what that meant as a young kid. But we know that our brains physiologically are not fully developed till we're 25, 26. And some of the things that I did at 16, I look back and go, what was I thinking? Wasn't thinking. There were some things that I just didn't know. I didn't know that you couldn't take your mom's 1997 Plymouth Purple Voyager which is a minivan, it was a Dodge Caravan knockoff, and take it on a jump and not bust the wheel pan, uh, not bust the oil pan. I didn't know that. <clears throat> I didn't know that. I probably did. It was just stupid. But there's probably a better illustration there somewhere. Sometimes you just don't know. And there's a little simple in all of us, to be honest, where we actually think we know best. And then there's people that are imploring them, don't do that. There's people saying, don't do that. Anyone else here like me that's a little hard-headed and you just seem like everything you've learned, you've had to learn the hard way. And, and I, I've had to learn something because I didn't listen to wisdom. Now, the quote from the great philosopher Taylor Swift said, when you're 15, somebody tells you they love you. Gonna believe them. You know, you're thinking it. This is before she defected and left God's music. I wonder, y'all just caught that? Yeah. 
When you're 15, somebody tells you they love you and you're gonna believe them. Why? Because you just don't know they're liars and they want something from you and it ain't love and longevity. Like we, we aren't equipped with that yet. And then there's this whole group on the sidelines saying, don't do it. Don't go there. What's the point? You and I gotta have people in our lives that can speak into our lives. Even though some of you have been married 20 years, there are things that you just don't know. And you need someone who's been married 25 years that can speak into it. The younger you are, the more, the more important it is to have these voices of wisdom in your life. And that's what the goal of small groups is, everybody. To have people in your life that can speak into your life, that know your life, that can speak godly wisdom into your life. And there are dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of people that call this church home that would tell you the case for small groups, that they were headed this way in their career, and then God, then God used somebody in their group to say, have you thought about this? And it completely changed the trajectory of their life. We need people to speak into our lives, and everybody that's in a small group say a big loud amen. amen. We need people who are watching over our souls, people that got our back. Students, you need our youth group. Get off of TikTok and start hearing truth. There is nothing on your phone that is worth anything at all. Literally nothing. There is nothing that you digest on your phone that is worth your time. And I will die on that hill until, until you are tired of hearing it. There's this pastor, he was preaching in China and um, he was staying at a host home, was doing a conference, and he had been there about 15 days. They trained about 400 pastors in the underground Chinese church, and uh, that sounds so fun, by the way. That sounds so fun. I would love to do that. And um, he, got, he and his wife went with him, and they got their bags, and, and, and they went and saw the Great Wall of China, and they came back, and the team had to, like, split. They were having to fly back to the States, and the rest of the team was staying another day. Their flights were in a different... Uh, on, on the next flights out around one o'clock in the morning or so. So they, they get their stuff out on the curb. They hail a cab. This guy pulls up. They put everything in the trunk and then they get in the car and the missionary comes out and says, says, hey, 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 hey. I need to show you something inside. And they're like, bro, we just said bye to you. We literally just hugged your neck and, and, and now we're in the cab. Like, man, I just like... I got a, uh, we got a flight to catch. I don't want to be here late and then we miss the flight. Like you guys are feeling the tension here, right? You're already in the car. And for those of us that drive on road trips, when I get to that stop sign that's three houses down from my street, if the kids forget something, I'm like, sorry, bro. Dad, can you turn around? Nope. Nope, we're going to be late. You know, so you, Kelly makes me turn around. But that's how it starts. <laughs> and so he looked, the pastor said, sir, you are not gonna believe this. I promise you, I'll get you there on time, but this is worth your time. They take all the bags out of the car, they go back upstairs, and the guy says, that was not a cab. He's like, what are you talking about? He had it like the lights and the cab and a little computer for the fare, and he said, that was not a cab. That was a man who picks people up, takes them out to the country, murders them, and takes all their stuff. A little bit of wisdom goes a long way. 
And some of us, we're, we're playing with fire. We're rejecting wisdom because we think we know better. Well, my daddy was this way, my daddy, my granddaddy before him. Here's the cure for the simple who, are, who just don't know any better. Time. Experience. I've been a senior pastor now for eight years, and I know a whole lot more than I did in 2015. And in 2015, I knew a whole lot more than when I started youth ministry as a youth pastor in 2004. And I wonder if some of us have just got to experience some things and learn some lessons. But you and I need to understand something. If we don't have people around us that will get us out of the proverbial cab, we're headed to a dark place. You gotta have people around you that will walk with you through time and experiences. Somebody say amen. Number two, the second type of person is the fool. Here it gets fun. The fool. The fool knows what to do and then says, nah, bro. I'm good. I don't want that. The fool knows what to do and says, no, I know what the best way is and I am unwilling to make that wise decision. I'm going to take my chances and see how it all works out. If you've ever watched the the movie Baby Mama, there's a quote in there that says, we're just going to play it fast and loose, see how it all shakes out. Kelly uses that line. I'm the, I'm the planner. I'm trying to get us on the road trip. I got an itinerary I put in Google Sheets. I sent it to her, and then she ignores it all. I'm like, did you see that? It said we need to leave at 4 a.m., not get up at 4 a.m. Did we read the same document? She's like, oh, we're just going to play it fast and loose. Sad all shakes out. And I cringe. My toenails curl up. I'm like, ah, it's a test in marriage and patience. But here is... The defense of a fool. Here's what they say. Here's what it is. A fool finds pleasure. Foolish people are looking for fun. Foolish people are looking primarily for pleasure. Am I saying you can't have fun? I'm not saying that. But if the primary objective is to get pleasure. The Bible even says in Hebrews that sin feels good for a short season, then it bites you. Nah, this is fun. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to continue to over drink and then I'm going to curse God in the morning and drink pickle juice if I got to. I know what is good for me and I'm refusing that instruction. That's a fool. Parents, do you know your kids' friends? Do you know their names? Because if you don't know who your child's around, you're probably raising a fool. Because when I was in my darkest places and did the dumbest stuff, I was not around wise people. Anybody say amen to that? Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Everything I did for the first time was introduced to me by a company of idiots that I was surrounded by. (laughs) I remember one time I was with my buddies and we were fools. We were dumb. We were in the car and we were all driving at the time, you know, and, and, and we got in my buddy's truck and 
And, and he lived on the east side of town, which was the cross town rivals territory. We were over there and we had a big Odessa Bronco sticker on a bright red pickup truck. And there's all these Permian Panther stickers everywhere. And already we're just mad. We're looking for a fight because we're idiots, because we're fools. We're driving around and my buddy gets his red truck. There's about 20 Permian football players in their letter jackets and their pretty girlfriends sitting there on the tailgates. of the, I'm, already, I'm mad already thinking about this again. On their tailgates of their expensive trucks. And we pull up in our red truck and he gets his truck as close to he can as the other one and knocks the dude's side mirror off with his mirror. And at that point, do you think I said, you idiot? I said, yeah! For it, Ross! For it! I didn't expect them all to jump in their better vehicles to pursue ours. I grew up on the poor side of town. I grew up on the west side of Odessa Broncos. We are not good at anything but math and German. This other school, a bunch of corn-fed, oil-filled boys getting in their F-350s, chasing us down with daddy's money. They got no care in the world. I'm going to die! But at that moment, I'm like, get up! So my buddy Ross jumps a curb, plows, I'm not making it, plows through a wooden gate. Now our trucks were already ugly. We didn't care. We found out that gate led to the Odessa Country Club. We're driving on the fairways of the Odessa Country Club. Now I'm like, I don't play golf. I don't care. Go, Ross! Go! It wasn't until they, it was their side of town, remember? Not ours. Now, if you want to go to the ghetto side of Odessa, I can take you some places. But I didn't know my way on the nice side of town. My parents moved over there. I still have to use Google Maps to get to their house to this day. I don't even know where they live. I don't even recognize the place. I didn't know all the alleys, the back ways. These guys did. And it was at that moment when there were three trucks over here and three trucks over here, all with Permian stickers and letter jackets, big old boys, and they jump out of their car. Now I'm like, maybe this was a... Maybe now... It's a bad idea. We knew what we should have done and we didn't do it. Even when I was an adult, there were people around me, even when I was in Bible college, the people I was around affected my behavior. These were my friends and they were fools. I was seeking fun, not wise choices. And it may seem like a silly example, but try to take that example, put it in your life now. Who is around you that is causing you to remove yourself from wisdom and operate in foolish behavior? The the unfortunate cure for a fool is tragedy. I know you're all wondering how we get out of there. We may have had to destroy another fence, but we got away. We got away. You're getting a fair warning right now, everybody. You're headed in the wrong direction, and you know it. And you know you need to turn around. Ask for wisdom. Every tragedy has a lesson equal in significance to its heartbreak. And there's redemption no matter how bad the tragedy. Amen? God is a restorative God. And he'll take the tragedy and bring purpose to your pain. Amen to that. That's why there is a track for growth for you here. That's why you can grow here. You need to come to growth track. Growth track isn't simply a place about learning how to be involved. That's easy. You and I could do that on the phone. But growth track is a gathering where we get together and we find out 
how we can move forward together in wisdom with people that are also pursuing wisdom. And have some things defined for you. To restart. Because right now you might be defined as a fool chasing pleasure. But you can come to Growth Track and we'll walk together to find out how you can begin making wise choices. Being around wise people. And start letting God define your future with a family that loves you. And all those that have been to Growth Track say amen to that. So we've got the simple. We've got the fool. Worst yet, we've got the mocker. Or scoffer, if you have a translation that says that. Basically, this is the fool on steroids. Not only am I not going to live rightly, I am going to, and not only am I not going to make wise choices, I am going to purposefully mock people who do. Usually, mockers are the ones that love social media. The way we call them is we call them trolls. They're mockers. They're liars. They're deceitful. They're just finding ways to tick people off. And they're like, I voted for this person. You're like, yeah, but your mom's ugly. It's like they're just, they have nothing to do with their life but try to hurt other people and mock truth and mock wisdom. And and the Bible is very clear about mockers. And here's a warning. When you give that time in your brain to a mocker. If you engage with a mocker, you're headed into a world of pain. The Bible says so. Proverbs 9. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. So what do we do about mockers? What's the cure for a mocker? The truth is, and this might sound bleak, but nobody can help them. The only cure is God himself. There's nothing you can say. Basically, it's like watching a presidential debate. Have you ever watched a presidential debate go, Imagine Trump's over here and Hillary's over there. Did you ever think Trump would have went, that's actually a really good point, Hill. You know what, everybody in front of the world, I'm going to change my policy right here, right now. No, he's like, you should be in jail. You know, it's like that's, they just mock each other and fight each other. It's ludicrous. And then it feeds into our brain and gets us worried. And then they scream words at us and then balloons are flying over our country and we're like, what do we do we need some wisdom someone told me the other day he's like did you know there was a ninth balloon I'm like at H-E-B like what are you talking about like there's another balloon there's another balloon I'm like don't care don't care you know why because it's in, I'm, if I get engaged with mockers I'm inviting pain into my family I refuse to engage with a mocker If you want to go against God's wisdom and engage with mockers, be my guest. But the Bible says you are inviting pain and abuse into your home. It's a heartbreak and a submission moment to God that cures a mocker. That's all you can do is let God handle it. There are verses in the Bible that say, hand them over to the devil for the destruction of their flesh. 
tenet number five of the purpose. I'm just kidding. It's not in there. It's not in there. But, but it is very clear in the Bible that there are some times where humanity goes its own way to the point where they have to be given to the devil. Sadly, there's lots of folks there. Don't engage with them. You take care of your family tree and move forward in, in the Lord on your own. And then there's number four. So we got the simple, we got the fool, we got the mocker. Now we're at the wise. Somebody say the wise. wise. You and I want to be this person, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you want to be wise, don't you? You want to be wise. We want to be wise people. We want to make wise choices. We, I'm not talking about smarter or more educated or someone, not someone who understands the Bible better than anybody. Not someone who's even lived a long time because I know lots of really foolish old people. They have one unique quality that I pray to God you and I can embrace. Proverbs 9, 9. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Say wiser still. Teach them and they will add to their learning. It's the opposite of a mocker. So here is the qualities of a wise person. They're teachable. And I know that the time for me to use my children as sermon examples is coming to a close because my daughter goes into youth group this summer and she'll be here. So then I can only talk about her brothers. But there, but there, have, been, but there have been times where I'll look at my children and go, son, I need you to know. Honey, I need you to know that when I'm trying to teach you something and you're arguing over me, that is foolish behavior. And the only thing that will bring you is further pain. Now, you can listen to someone who's smarter than you and wiser than you, or you can fight me like a nine-year-old baby genius. And they're like, <laughs> it starts that young. We all come out the womb thinking we're better than everybody. We cry, we fight, we yell, we spit, we make people clean us. We've got all of these things. We think we run the house. I remember that one time I looked at my daughter and she looked at me in the eye. She was two years old. She came out the womb talking in complete sentences. Her brothers took a lot longer. She was very smart early. We're still working on the other two, but she came out and she looked at me and she had the, this look in her eyes. And my mom looked at me and said, you have to win this. And I was like, y'all know my mom. She's five foot tall. We, and she was just like, and her voice got deep. You have to win this. I was like, <laughs> like, I do. I do. I wonder how many of us are teachable. Men, would you allow another man in the house to speak wisdom to how you parent and how you lead your wife? Or do you think you got this figured out? Are you teachable or are you arrogant? Are you pliable? Are you willing to bend your schedule and bend... Your, your plans in order to fulfill the call of God on your home or are you defensive? Too many people value their self-dependence but the Bible is not a book about independence. It's about a book of complete dependence on God. So here's the summary. Correct the simple and they won't get you. Correct a fool and they'll ignore you. Correct a mocker, they'll hate you. Correct the wise and they'll thank you. The series is about giving you God's word and God's advice. And then you got to apply it. We can't apply it for you. But the foundation of this entire series starts with this next verse in Proverbs 
Read it out loud with me. One, two, ready, read. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It starts with humility to say, God, you're way out of my league. I'm nothing without you. When, when you and I have submitted our lives to someone bigger and someone much wiser, then you become wise. The fear of the Lord doesn't mean to be scared or afraid, but I will tell you that your view of God determines your relationship with God. Is God a harsh taskmaster or is he a loving father? It determines how you relate to him. But can I tell you something today? God is full of mercy. He's slow to anger and he's full of forgiveness. Somebody say amen to that. That is the God you and I serve. When we look at the fear of the Lord, it's about respecting God and submitting to God. And your ability to become a wise person starts with that complete submission to someone who is stronger, wiser, bigger than you. When humanity begins to think we're bigger and stronger and wiser than God, that's when we begin to twist the Bible. The Church of England just two weeks ago ratified to ordain transsexual priests. Do you not think it's already here? And I'm telling you something. When we begin to reject God and become God, then what we say goes. They took the King James Bible and wrote one called the Queen James Bible. Where Jesus and John were lovers. And I'm telling you something. It's a scary thing we live in right now. When there are drag queens doing presentations at elementary schools. And if we don't have people in this church making wise choices based on the fear of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have got to be people who live off this book of life and not somebody who's addicted to news, addicted to social media, addicted to TikTok, rotting our brain cells while our children are discipled by the devil. May that never happen here. We will be people who walk in wisdom and love it and desire it and want it. So let me teach you the fear of the Lord in three words. Number one, God is awesome. I couldn't think of a better word. Pastors always try to do alliteration. It's usually a P or a T. I couldn't think of any to make it memorable. So I just said, you know what? God is awesome. Forget it. I'm not going to try to make it sound cute. God is awesome. What does awesome mean? Awesome means, whoa! Oh my God! I can't, how? God, what? How did you? Wow! God is awesome. And you and I lose sight of that, of how awesome God is. We lose sight of that, that God is great. And he does miracles so great. I kept thinking about that song. You are great. You do miracles so great. It's this whole song about there's no one else like you. You know that song? There is no one else like you. And it goes to this like, I, it's not about me. And by the way, our worship team is never allowed to sing songs about us. They know that. And they only bring songs to you that are about him. There's honey in the rock, man. When you're going through a bad day, there's honey in the rock, water in the... Oh, it just, I'm telling you, he is awesome. 
He can bring manna down to your front door in the middle of the night when you think God is not moving. He's been working in secret for years to bring you the provision for the problem you're going through right now. God didn't forget you. He didn't leave you. He is awesome. Completely awesome. That's the God we serve. And he's worth serving. Look at Psalm 33, 8. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. Old songs like, I stand, I stand in awe of you. It's not, I stand, I stand in awe of me. Did you hear that? That's what culture today says. I stand in awe of you. In awe of you. I shared this morning at Dream Team Huddle. I'm going off script a little bit. Sorry, y'all, just follow me. This morning in Dream Team Huddle, I was talking about why we serve, not how we serve. And we were talking about the things we've been saved from. And that when I was hurting, God brought healing to me. When I was lost, he found me. When I was heading for hell, he brought heaven to my reality. When I was anxious, he brought peace to me. When I was confused, he brought the word of God to me. When I was lonely, he brought people into my life to lift me up. If, if that's not awesome, I don't know what is. That my God saw me in my mess and immediately began to move heaven and earth on his child's behalf. That's awesome. That's awesome. My mind is blown what God's done here for eight years. And what God has doing and is doing is a miracle. Somebody agree with that? I'll tell you what, I think about this miracle all the time. The land we own on the interstate. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. If you want to know more about it, go to the page and see how you can be part of it. That one day there will be a beacon of hope right there on the interstate, right past 1103, on top of a hill where everyone can come find some hope and healing and purpose. There's no way we could have done that on our own. It's all been God. And there's more to be seen. Look what Isaiah says. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding and no one can fathom. God is awesome, and he's got it covered. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, God is holy. He's holy. Now, I embrace our style of church. I love it. I love that we've got four subwoofers. I love that. I love that the band can come up here and just lead us with passion. I love that there's some energy in the room and that it's fun, but make no mistake. We do not use God contemporarily. Our delivery may be contemporary, whatever that word means now, but our view of God is one of complete reverence and respect. Because when he walks into the room, we bow our hearts. We bow our knee. At the end of the day, God owes me nothing. God owes you nothing. 
We don't sing songs here about us because it's not about us. He's already given everything. He owes me nothing. Psalm 99, exalt the Lord, our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And I so appreciate how my parents raised me to revere God. That's why we never miss church, unless we were contagious. I remember playing drums with a cast on my arm. We were way off beat that day, but I remember doing it. My dad was like, it's not God's fault you jumped a curb on your bike. He's right, I was a fool, that was my fault. All joking aside, and even though that is true, all joking aside, I look at it, I'm like, I was taught to revere God. Our God is holy. Our God is merciful. He gave us salvation. Can you and I raise the level of respect for God at the Purpose Church? Let's just raise the level of respect for God. When your kids see you starching your khakis, that's a metaphor, unless you want to. When they see you starching your pants on Saturday night, like, what are you doing? I'm getting ready for the morning. God matters and we're going to be on time. Raise the level of respect for God. He's not a checklist on your week. He's the only list. Everything flows from there. I've been a worship leader my whole life and I started playing the piano when I was about nine and This song always plays in my heart. And you know what's interesting? I wrote this sermon and then I sent it off to the team. And I said, I want us to sing this song. They're like, it's already in the set. I was like, what? They already had, the third song we sang today was the one I had in my message to tell you about. Won't he do it? You guys know it. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Now think about that song. I'm going to build my life on him and his wisdom. A lot of us feel lost today because we got our minds stuck in the news channels. And we've gotten in a pattern of doing things and mental ruts and spiritual ruts. And can I tell you something? God's getting ready to do something different at this church. He's getting ready to do something amazing in your life. Something of significance for your family tree, your great-grandchildren will be affected by the decisions you make today. And you'll never be the same if you open up your heart to his calling. Number three is God is right. He's awesome. 
He's holy and worthy of respect. And God is right. There's a whole trend in the church of people cherry picking what scriptures they like. But can I tell you, God is right. His word is true. His word is good for us. There's a trend moving through the church where they're talking about everything that happened in the Bible is metaphorical and not literal. And they say things like, there's no way a man could live in the belly of a fish for three days. There's no way that three million people crossed the Red Sea on dry land. There's no way that a baby can be born to a virgin. It's not possible. And you know what? I agree. It's not possible. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. It doesn't make sense to us. But if you and I take these, this precious book and we make it make sense to our finite minds, you and I cannot comprehend an infinite God with a finite thought process. And when we look at the Bible, we're like, my God is awesome. I agree. I, I agree. It doesn't make sense that a duke can live in a fish. <clears throat> I agree. It doesn't make sense that a virgin can become pregnant and give birth to the child of God. It doesn't make sense that the Israelites can walk around and sing a worship song seven times and then scream and walls fall down. It doesn't make sense to me. You know what else doesn't make sense to me? That God can restore even the most broken of marriages. That God can heal even the most diseased of bodies. It doesn't make sense to me that in today's culture, teenagers can live with purity. It is just as much of a miracle. We're like, it's not possible. It is possible with God. Nothing is off limits to an awesome, holy, and right God. He's got it under control. And I just wonder today if you and I can get some wisdom by submitting to Him first. Maybe you came to this series, you thought, cool, I'm going to get like three cool ways a week, some wisdom points. Now, wisdom starts with death of you. Wisdom starts with complete submission to the gospel. There is no other way. There is no half-hearted approach to Christianity. There is no two-thirds God, one-third you. Because a little leaven leavens the entire lump. The Bible says we have got to completely surrender to Jesus Christ. Or we will be stuck in this cycle of foolish behavior. And hopefully not turn into a mocker. But at the very least, stay a fool. We want you to be wise people. And that starts with submission to God. Look at Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is what? Say it out loud perfect and it revives your soul the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy and he makes the wise making wise the simple the precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to your heart somebody ingest the scripture today the commands of the Lord aren't burdensome they're radiant and they give light to your eyes the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold. They're sweeter than honey. 
by them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is great reward we follow God's ways and it always works look at Proverbs 19.23 the fear of the Lord the respect of the Lord submitting to the Lord leads to life bringing security and protection from harm what's written in the Bible is not for God it's for you God didn't say all of this to keep you in line. He wrote all of this to give you life. When people say the Bible's full of rules, no, the Bible's full of protection. The Bible's full of pure protection. So here's a little bit of wisdom, big chunk number one. When I understand what it means to fear God and submit to Him, then I can live without fear. When I understand what it means to fear an awesome, holy, and righteous God, then I can live with wisdom. Then I can live without fear. Then I can be free from worry. Everybody stand to your feet today. Just think about it. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes. Come on, surrender to him this morning. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me. To those. Come on, just submit it to him. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I'm going to ask the prayer partners that are scheduled for this service to come down. Go ahead and come down to the front and make your way to the front. This is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. It was an old song we used to sing. It talked about we are standing on holy ground. It may be a cafeteria during the week, but right now it's the sanctuary of God Almighty. This is a holy moment. It's a holy moment. And some of you, you know deep down in your heart that it's time today to make a statement of faith to stop living your own way and give your life completely to God and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And some of you, you're Christians and you know you have been a fool and you have been walking away from God's way and you want to submit to Him today. And we don't believe in accidents at the Purpose Church. You are here on purpose, for a purpose. Even if you were going to another church and missed your turn and ended up here, God knew you'd be here. God knows exactly why you're supposed to be here. And it may have just saved your life. Some of you need to come down and repent for foolish behavior and completely surrender again. And then there's some of you that have made foolish choices and there's fools surrounding your life. You got to get out of that foolish car and you got to jump in line with some people who are walking in God's ways and His precepts and His wisdom. And you need to come down and ask for prayer and courage to take those next steps. 
And there's some of you, you know you've mocked God and you've mocked His ways and you've mocked His church and you've mocked His people. Whatever the category you find yourself in, the altar is open. And guess what? The altar is where things go to die. And so those parts of us that we need to bring to God and lay them on the altar, we let His consuming fire take our ideas, our opinions, our personal religion, and we submit ourselves to a holy, righteous, and awesome God because His ways are better than our ways. He thinks higher than we think. He's got more action in us in one minute than we can drum up in a year. Our God is awesome and holy and righteous, and He wants to meet you right here, right now. So we're going to sing through that song. The band's going to lead us through Build My Life. And while they're singing this song over you, while they're bringing that atmosphere into the room of submission, I'm going to build it on you. A firm foundation, the Bible says, that cannot be shaken. If you want to build your life on that, if you want to build your own house, be my guest. But if I was you, I would come and surrender and submit and let my foundation be God and God alone. There's communion on the sides of the room. If you want to come get prayer and take communion, union. We're going to worship together. Come on, everybody, lift your hands. Lift your hands and begin to say, I love you, Lord. I surrender to you. Completely surrender. This moment is yours. This moment is yours. He's worthy of it all. The altars are now open. Come on, if you want Jesus to accept Jesus, you want to come repent, you want to come give it to God, get prayer for your body get prayer for your soul come down now take communion and begin to remember who he is in your life thank you for listening to the purpose church podcast if god used this message to impact your life tell us your story by emailing my story at thepurposechurch.com be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information 